Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. This is season one, episode six, and today we have a diversity and inclusion specialist on the podcast, Vernon Johnson of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois. Vernon is a young and up-and-coming diversity inclusion professional with a master's in public health and emphasis uh, in community health education. He's currently a doctoral candidate at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology and Organizational Leadership and recently completed his diversity inclusion of HR certification from Cornell University this past summer. What an accomplished financial service professional you are, Vernon. Welcome to the show today. I'm going to be honest. I'm feeling a little shabby on the educational piece of this call because you've been doing homework for pretty much years now, right? Would you say that's true? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. So still quite a few to go. Oh, my gosh. And I feel for you. Because I, you know, be honest, I remember when um, I was going to college, I went to, I started out at St. Louis University and I was supposed to go to, I'm going to go to Mizzou and my dad says, that's a party school. And I said, yeah. And so, no, we didn't go. <laughs> but still go Tigers. I still believe in you. But I ended up being a Billiken at SLU and uh, I came home like, you know, day three and I'm like, I'm like seven months behind in homework already. How? <laughs> so for you to keep putting yourself through this, you are committed to the process. So I appreciate that. And also we met on LinkedIn. I like our listeners to know that we meet people all over and everywhere, right? I feel that it's extra important in this case because I totally messaged you out of the blue and said, hey, want to be my friend? And I was lucky because you think I was creepy or sketchy <laughs> and responded with, yeah, but we obviously had a phone call before this interview today and, uh, you know, you're quite a force. Do you find you meet quite a few people on LinkedIn yourself? Definitely. I mean, I think it's a great uh, networking tool. It's a great way to connect with people. And um, I, I've always been a person who, who wants to be open in that regard. Um, and so when people reach out to me to connect, I'm very open to that. Uh, and, and, you know, love to create those relationships uh, so that we can, you know, have these moments from those moments. Uh, so definitely, uh, I, I love to connect with folks. I love that. And so I have to first start off asking, you know, why this area? I'm always intrigued with people's individual passions, like how they got to where they are and what they're doing. So could you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. Um, so diversity and inclusion has always been this um, – it's, uh, it has always kind of been the DNA of who I am and the work that I've done. Um, it's always been kind of the foundation of that work. And so uh, my, my, you know, training and, you know, education and experiences have been very diverse in that regard. And I always thought that, you know, it'd be great, you know, especially today in today's workforce where interdisciplinary skills and education really offers you a competitive advantage. And when you have diversity and inclusion um, as a basis of that, it really just makes everything go uh, and much faster and better. Uh, but really, you know, growing up, um, I, I have a very strong healthcare family. So 
My <laughs> uncle uh, is an ER physician. Uh, my, my mother uh, is a professor in healthcare, uh, that teaches healthcare classes. Uh, and then my, um, my aunt uh, works for the federal government and, and, uh, and Medicaid and Medicare services. And so very strong health background family. And I naturally decided to enter into that realm, uh, wanting to go into the doctor route at first, uh, but really realized that my, my my passion was really revolved around uh, working with young people and working more on a macro scale uh, versus a micro scale, uh, you know, where medicine kind of lies. And so I, I really was drawn to public health. I got involved in this program in undergrad called the McNair Scholars Program, uh, which is dedicated to first generation and students of color uh, to get them interested in uh, graduate school as well as getting their PhDs one day. Uh, and so, you know, that was kind of my first spin, uh, you know, from a structured standpoint of diversity and inclusion and seeing how that mechanism can really help people uh, to, uh, to, to be better uh, for themselves and for their communities. And so from there, I went and got my uh, master's in public health, uh, came to Chicago. I went to school down in Southern Illinois, so very close to Car Carbondale. Well, in Carbondale, we're very close to St. Louis, and so uh, I've been in St. Louis quite a bit. Um, but, you know, really just uh, you know, started off youth work, uh, public, very public health focused. But what I really realized, too, is that diversity and inclusion was also a part of the work uh, and being open to uh, different people, different ideas, uh, was just, just had to be the foundation of the work that I did. Uh, because working with young people, they're very diverse and they're finding out who they are as people. Uh, and it's really important as an adult ally to be a strong supporter of them in those moments because they look for that support because sometimes they're not getting that at home or whatever the case may be. And so early on, I really realized the importance of being a DNI advocate and, and what I like to call this interdependent ally. Uh, which is uh, super important, um, I believe, for folks to really um, take a hold of. So. so I think it's fair that we have to tell everyone this. You're a Cubs fan, and I'm a Cardinals fan. <laughs> and yet here we are uh -huh. talking about diversity and inclusion. And I mean, if we can make this work, <laughs> then the rest of the world just needs to get on with it. And so it's, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now my friends would be like, what? You get along with somebody who's a <laughs> fan? Not possible. <laughs> it's only one World Series, dude, so don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, okay. It's just one. Oh, oh, We're going to let you we'll, have we'll it for a moment. Next, we'll know? be back next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you at least didn't make it to the playoffs, you know, we, but it only took like one game, and then you were right there on the bench, yeah. buddy, so just remember. It sure did. Uh-huh. It's really weird for us not to have fall ball around here. It was basically, it was so funny, too, because we're all like, yeah, yeah, oh, go Blues, go Blues. <laughs> we went right into hockey. We just totally missed over it, so it was so funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a local uh, cleaners nearby, and they always mm -hmm. have, like, go Cardinals, go Cardinals. Literally the next day, it said, go Blues. <laughs> But you know, in all seriousness, you know, we, we're going to talk about diversity because 
I think it's mm -hmm. really a hard concept for so many people to grasp. It's the reason I say mm -hmm. that is because I think the average person, that's not that I think I've read reports and I know that they think it's skin color, right? It's the easiest thing mm -hmm. to sort of denote a differentiation and is, is our looks. But in reality, diversity is just so much more. And it's actually, I think this, the other stuff is even more important than just the skin color changes, right? The, the difference is there. So can you mm -hmm. give us sort of a deeper dive, a deeper picture in what diversity includes because it's so much more than just how you and I look. Certainly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, diversity really takes on uh, multiple forms of different identities and um, it's really a, a large spectrum of different uh, uh, interests that really bind people together. Uh, and so, you know, there are the obvious things of race, um, you know, uh, disability, disabilities, um, you know, uh, different uh, cultures and things of that nature. Uh, but it's really important to, to, to point out uh, the, the diversity of thought in your organizations. Uh, people coming from multiple different business areas, uh, multiple backgrounds, and that can really contribute and help uh, uh, guide your organization to the next level, utilizing their skill sets. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that you know, we, we have a strong focus on those things because that's what our society is telling us. That's what we're seeing in images and the news and things of that nature. Um, but it's really important to uh, have some really structured conversations, uh, very courageous conversations, I, I like to say, that uh, really entail so much more than that. So talking about uh, gender, talking about um, uh, as I mentioned, uh, or another area too that a lot of folks don't think about is intergenerational workplaces. Uh, so right now we're probably in the biggest, uh, most diverse generational workplace ever in history, uh, where you're having baby boomers, Generation X, millennials, uh, all forming in this work environment. You know, what are the what's the dialogue there that needs to happen in a workplace so that uh, people are able to bring off their success to work each day and able to contribute to their teams to their fullest uh, potential. And so, you know, looking at uh, some of these other areas uh, really is wonderful, too, because it kind of takes out the, uh, you know, the phenotypical things that we see of people, you know, the physical things that we see, uh, and more so kind of integrate people from different backgrounds, races, things of that nature into kind of the same groups and pillar groups to work on solutions. So, you know, a, you know, there might be um, a Latino person, uh, a, you know, African-American person and a Caucasian person uh, who all share, who are all millennials and have that, have that common uh, interest point. You know, I think that looking at those modes of diversity uh, can really go a long way in addition to kind of the traditional diversity groups that we point out. And see, and that also leads us into the inclusion part because I think it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I think being inclusive is so much more than just inviting someone to the party. And one of the, you know, the topics you and I have mm -hmm. talked about this is that I liken it so that people understand when I, you know, use it as an analogy is that back in the day, we used to be able to cherry pick our friends in school that we could give invitations out, right? And that did make mm -hmm. other kids feel like, well, how did I, you know, they hear about the party on Monday and go, 
who had a party? I didn't know where they had a party, you know, and they feel really left out. And so then I think mm -hmm. the schools trying to embrace more, you know, you know, people commingling and, and, and not anyone having that feeling. We're like, okay, parents, you have to send everybody one. And I can, oh, I remember I had friends were like, I don't want to have to invite everyone. And I really thought, you know, mm -hmm. uh, why is that? You know, it's, it's, I realize, I mean, I think that it's important for kids mm -hmm. to, be able to, to get themselves, especially outside of the school environment into a personal environment. But let's say you give all the invitations out and the kids come to the party. Are you really being inclusive? Because if you're still ostracizing and not keeping them, you really weren't inclusive, but they feel like they were, they got to throw it around and say, well, I gave everybody an invite and everybody came, but that doesn't mean that everybody was truly invited, um, you know, to the party, that they truly weren't there to be engaged in a way that honors who they are as well. You know, what would you say is one example of how someone, anyone um, can truly include another person? Because you probably have ideas or you run into this as well with what you do at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois and some of the work that you do in the youth advocacy space. How do we truly include people? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Cheryl. And um, I'll preface it with uh, an analogy I like to use as well. And uh, you know, diversity is really the mix, and inclusion is making the mix work. Mm. Uh, so we often use the analogy of, you know, it's not enough to just get invited to go to a dance. Mm. Uh, I, I also have to dance and have a good time uh, with everyone at that event. Uh, and, and I think that that's important for organizations to remember uh, and, and how they kind of infuse inclusion uh, into the environments they have. So, you know, you know, it's not just enough for us to get people in the door, but how are we um, progressing people into, you know, leadership roles, uh, you know, from different diverse backgrounds? How are we, you know, making sure that um, we have a pipeline, you know, of women, top women talent coming into the organization? You know, are we working with strategic partners that uh, focus on uh, women inclusion uh, that we can tap onto to, to bring into our, our pipeline? You know, those are things that, from a structural uh, standpoint, are super important for organizations to leverage. And also, too, I think that organizations, too, have to kind of do a self-audit and make sure that, you know, their organization is reflecting the values that diverse folks, you know, see and attract them. And so, you know, it, it's just simple things. You know, your website, making sure that you have images of women, people of color, people with disabilities, you know, veterans, uh, you know, making sure that all these people are included, uh, you know, younger and older generations. All these things are important because people look at that as a basis of making their decisions to come. And I also think that Inclusion is, uh, you know, it's start, or a simple way to kind of start it. And I thought that this was really interesting uh, because I attended an event last night that uh, talked about diversity and inclusion. And um, one of the speakers talked about how they did uh, an assessment of the referrals coming into their organization. And people, they asked the question to hiring managers, have you, you know, recommended someone that didn't, you know, look like you or share your your same interest because, you know, um, a, a lot of our social circle, you know, are people that look and kind of, uh, you know, uh, vibe within our interests. You know, how do we break out of that? Uh, you know, and, and referring people into an organization, 
is a real easy start to kind of um, disrupting that and and promoting in a, a more inclusive environment. And so I really think that you know people have to take action um, and, and really you know another uh, another quote from last night I thought was great is you know stop paying attention to you know kind of the news of what's going on and diversity and inclusion and really just be the news. You know, really be bold and take that move to uh, have inclusive practices. Uh, and really, that's about disrupting a systematic thing uh, that you have within your organization, such as referrals, such as, um, you know, maybe even creating DNI scorecards for leaders uh, to make sure that their organization is reflecting, um, you know, uh, an inclusive environment, making sure that, you, you know, you have senior leaders who are diversity champions. Uh, you know, our, our lead, uh, some of our IT leaders here are, gen are diversity champions um, for gender, people with disabilities, people of color, and they're being very intentional about supporting events and organizations that really foster and promote those uh, different groups so that we can get them in as talent for the organization. So just little things like that, I think, are, are a great start. You know, I... I tell people this story because, well, one, it's true, and two, it was important to me when I decided to go into writing the book, and ultimately, this community was built out of it, and so there was a, a need for women to have a place that they could go to and talk about how to recruit and, uh, you know, train, advance, retain women in financial services, because we tend to kind of suck at that in financial services when trying to figure out what happened. I don't have the magic answer, but I feel like with 1,600 plus following that we're going to get to that answer. Um, one of my biggest fears in writing the book was I didn't want to open the book and it be a story of 365 white women telling stories because there's an unconscious bias, like mm -hmm. you just mentioned, that sometimes we get built into, we don't diversify even outside of our friendship pool, right? So how do you expect that mm -hmm. person to go out and find uh, you know, diverse individuals that will bring a new perspective, a fresh perspective, a fresh look and face to a company when your own, when you look around your, your house or your friends, are you extending mm -hmm. that unconscious bias into your, you know, your HR, your, 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 your business? And something in the social and digital space that I run into a lot is I can almost look at websites and tell you whether somebody's truly female friendly, if they are a person of color friendly, are they disabled friendly? Are they, I mean, the list could go on simply because of mm -hmm. the graphics that they use, simply because of the language that's used, the events mm -hmm. that they attend. And sometimes I think that gets a little lost. And so for the men that are out there and they're listening to the podcast and they're listening to us talk about that, I don't want anybody to ever think that I am anti-man because I'm not. I am really pro-male ally. And so that leads me to add, talk to you about the work that you do with men in a variety of roles. I am a believer that male allyship is what is going to help move the females in finance mission current today. Mm -hmm. Okay. If something miraculously happens that tomorrow I go out on stage and our, the audience and, the, and people uh, may be understanding my vantage point when I'm standing on stage and I'm looking out at 300 people, there's a lot of dudes out there. Okay. It's financial services, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of middle-aged white men that I'm seeing in the audience. And so, and what I really find interesting, I have to throw this in, is that when I read the speaker cards or you read the comments or the feedback and they say, oh, that, that event was, you know, not as great or it was, it was okay. Or what, you know why it was? 
because everybody looked like Mm -hmm. you. You didn't hear anything different. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get involved Mm -hmm. in that, right? So one of the things that when I went into this was male allies were coming out. They really were stepping up and we need more of them to step into the light, know who they are so that people know you're somebody that I can connect with and I'm going to learn from. So you talked about referencing yourself as an interdependent ally. I want you to talk about what that means, how you came to find out that this is maybe one of your callings, because you've been very specific in that in a lot of your past work history, your volunteer work history, your current work, um, your education. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that so that we can learn more. Definitely. Um, so interdependent allies really, um, really, you know, Making a um, making a declaration that uh, you will aid in all people's oppressions um, and, and ensure that you stand by their side and whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's not me speaking up and being a vocal advocate. Sometimes it's just my presence. Sometimes it's me speaking up and being a vocal advocate in those moments. Sometimes it's making sure that um, I leverage my resources on the back end to. Uh, support an initiative where people are feeling oppressed um, or not treated fairly. Uh, And and so I say that to say that is in support of um, all the different, uh, all the different forces that you, that you may be seeing out publicly, Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, Me Too movement. Um, It's about supporting all of those things and really looking at uh, really the basis or the foundations of those different movements to understand them, uh, to resonate and to grow closer to them, uh, and then to really support an environment, a community that is truly inclusive of all people. Uh, and so that that's really the aim of being an interdependent ally because really um, the, the dependence on me as an individual and me being happy is, is really interdependent on other people's happinesses as well. And so I think that uh, if people can claim that, can uh, be an advocate of that, uh, we, we have more supporters uh, than we do detectors for uh, different initiatives and where people can feel authentic, uh, feel respected, connected, and valued in every single way. I really, really appreciate what you just said and that you understand that as a space of need. Um, I think that one of the things that for me, um, I am, I have three of my own kids. I have two children I fostered and they were kind of, um, you kind of hit on that earlier, you know, when you were talking about, um, I just became one of those people that I was a safe person for a lot of different people in a lot of different backgrounds. And and I just identified and connected with them. And I think I still do that to this very day. And it's one of the, uh, maybe one of the things that attract people to want to spend time and, and be with me, which I'm, I'm honored. I'm, I'm always humbled. You know, when, even when we connected, I mean, I think one of the first things I said is like, when we left the call was like, I was so grateful and for your time because it truly was, I learned stuff from you. And I think that that's great. I'm really curious. Um, I would like for you to talk about the work that you do at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois in the STEAM programming. You know, what is it? How did you get involved? You know, what is it means to the community? Yeah. So uh, for everyone uh, who may not know, STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. Uh, 
which really are the career areas that are um, uh, really progressing at a, at a really tremendous rate. Uh, and something that a lot of organizations are really investing uh, in terms of their talent um, communities. So, uh, for example, here at our organization, 40% of our employees are in STEAM fields, uh, which is really tremendous. And so, uh, one thing that, you know, we have college internships and, and things like that, which are wonderful. But we wanted to create a talent pipeline, very STEAM focused, uh, that focused on high school and middle school students as well. Because especially for young girls at around the age of 13, middle school age, their interests begin to shy away from STEAM, STEM areas um, due to a multitude of factors, uh, whether that's being in classrooms where they feel like they may be um, alone or not have the support are being told by family members even that they they won't be able to um, to uh, you know uh, be you know be able to be successful in these different career areas uh, all these different things uh, that happen uh, and this is actually part of my dissertation research I'm um, focusing on women of color and STEM uh, specifically but looking at what are the different factors that inhibit them or the barriers uh, from getting a STEM orientated uh, degree or career. And so really been looking into this uh, deeply and it's really fascinating. There's even uh, something called the Queen Bee Syndrome where uh, even other women discourage other women from, uh, from pursuing STEM opportunities and leadership opportunities. Uh, so there's a multitude of different factors in play uh, why that happens. Uh, and so uh, what we really wanted to do is, and, and I think it's really great that our Center for Diversity and Inclusion is leading this charge, is really have a woman and people of color focus for our STEAM initiatives and to be uh, intentional about creating a talent pipeline so that we can bring those students into our college internships so that we can really cultivate um, these students from high school, even middle school age, up to their, our college internships into a full-time employment role uh, one day within our company. And there's a multitude of benefits of why we do this. Uh, you know, you're talking about huge cost savings. Uh, you're talking about creating these pathways to self-sufficiency. Uh, so a lot of the programs that we do here, we work with uh, high schools and middle schools uh, that may not have all the resources that uh, some other schools may have. And so for some, this might be the only experiential STEM opportunity uh, that they may have. And so we bring students on board to do career days where we um, bring in some of our professionals here at the organization and they talk about their career pathways. Um, we talk about uh, uh, job resume, resume and interviewing. Uh, we take them on a tour of our building as well. They're able to talk to our, our building engineers. So they really get this um, impactful theme opportunity and what's really fascinating about that, too, is that we asked some of the students, uh, you know, what are you interested in a career? And I'll never forget a young lady who uh, rose her hand and said, I want to be a nurse. And uh, we actually had a nurse who was a part of the networking activity, and she got a chance to speak to her. And she was just amazed by the end of the day that, wow, you guys hire nurses? I had no idea. And wow, a nurse doesn't have to be in a clinical environment to be a nurse? 
you know, that's incredible. And so it just opens up the, the possibilities. You know, we have physicians, we, you know, we have, you know, uh, IT, we have human resources, communications, marketing, a multitude of different areas, actuary, um, where folks from different uh, STEAM backgrounds can come into based upon their interests. And so we really are just about giving students a flavor, giving them a taste to understand that we are a very STEAM-focused organization, and that's something that we invest in. Uh, and at the same time, uh, this is really built on the pillars of experiential learning, education, and leadership opportunities for young people, which are instrumental to a young person's development so that they can really have the self-efficacy to believe in themselves, to visualize themselves in a, in a corporate environment like this, which is super important. And oftentimes for women and people of color can be half the battle. Just having the ability to visualize themselves in the working environment here. And so we're also intentional about the volunteers that we have. Uh, so we make sure that people of color, women are definitely a part of the mix. And we also have um, a multitude of volunteers, white males, uh, you know, uh, males from all different races, backgrounds who come in, uh, which is super important to people, uh, for people to see uh, as a whole. So you see this inclusive, supportive environment as a young person, and you're just like, wow, I, I can definitely see myself here. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get through this next session without me crying. So if I break down, it's not you. It's something that's very, very, very near to me. And that is about youth advocacy. Um, I personally support a lot of things that involve growing children. And I, as I mentioned, I'm a mom of three. I have two kids that I fostered and brought through and they are like, so when people ask me, I'm always like, I have more than five or six kids because they all kind of just end up you know, in my space. One of the things that I did was I became a Girl Scout troop leader uh, back when my girls were little. Mm -hmm. I, I want, I, I was never able to look at any child and tell them they couldn't be a part of our troop. So they call and I'd be like, sure. So I had 26 girls, um, most of whom were from displaced homes. And so my home gave them a home um, and it was when they came in the door and I always held my meetings at my home on purpose because I could have held them at the school, mm -hmm. but for the most part, these kids didn't have a home. And so they got to come mm -hmm. into my home and they'd come in and they knew I would hug them and hug them and hug them. And, and I was really big on that. And I found what was fascinating about that was, and the girl, the girls, you know, all different colors and backgrounds and everything. It was great. But, you know, more important to me that I think I got more out of it than they did was because they would come in and they would share with me the things that they wanted to grow up and do, right? And mm -hmm. I think it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life because I would try very hard to help hone them in. I, I tell this story, but it has to do with my dad. And one of the things that you hit the nail on the head is about middle school and high school. You know how they send home mm -hmm. the, the, the planners or you pick out your classes. I vividly remember sitting at the dining room table. My mother passed away when I was six years old. My father, you know, trying to get box check the activity of she's got her education, right? But he was picking my classes out. He wasn't listening to me. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I will tell you that um, I have a really good friend. His name is Mike Maddock. He's owns uh, is one of Maddock Douglas in Chicago. It's an innovation firm. If you don't know it, people should look it up. And outside of the doors of each of his, uh, the people that work there have their, um, they're strengths finders. He has everybody go through the strengths finders test. And you know, one of the things when I was sitting in his office, he was like, you know, parents should really take these strength finders tests with their kids. 
and then what they're really good at, we need to really focus in. Because here's the deal. I get it when the parents say they want their kids to have straight A's. When I hear that, that's a perfectionist. It is. Kids are not perfect. They're like these little, and they're the most, uh, you know, to me, underrepresented citizens, truly. They don't have a voice in anything they get to do. We make all the decisions for them as adults. So they don't really get to have a say. And I think that letting them choose their classes is a way to give them a say. Um, having them go through something like that to identify what their strengths are. And you know what? If they, uh, if they show really strong in math and science and they're getting a, you know, a B or a C in, in English and social studies, let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. And mm-hmm. let's put all our focus in so that they get them into a place that fills their heart and their talent. And I think what you're talking about there with the STEAM programming speaks a lot to that too. Um, I also, you know, I financially support projects like Autism Speaks uh, to help. I have a daughter who has autism. So it's, a, it's important to me that we get them the resources and support. They're fantastic human beings. And I think a lot of times we talk about children with autism. They grow up to be adults with autism. So knowing that that goes a, you know, it starts out in the youth, but continues on. And the same, I, um, I just think that there's a lot of work that you've done with youth. And what drew you to this? What made you, um, I tell people, I think my draw to it, to be honest, mother people, other people, because my mom died. And I feel like I, to honor her, right, I've, I've outlived my mother already. She was 39 when she died. I'm about to turn 48. And I felt like this calling to, I, I had love to give and I gave it to every little kid that I see. And to this very day, I'm still that way. So what drew you to working with youth? Yeah. Um, th- thank you for sharing. Um, that, and I didn't cry. Um, it's very close. I can no, feel it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So working with young people, you know, I always thought that, you know, work, I, I did work with adults for a little bit. And one, one thing I noticed was that, you know, adults, once they kind of had their decisions made or, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's hard to kind of sway their minds or have them go in a different uh, way. But, Young people, what's really amazing is that they teach me a lot. Um, and they're also able to, uh, you know, be influenced in a way where you don't have to, you know, do it by talking down to them or anything like that. So just through your actions and um, through example, uh, you know, young people are, are a lot smarter and brighter than I think uh, what a lot of people kind of label them as. And what's really important about youth advocacy uh, I believe is that, you know, youth are our future. I know that's kind of been uh, something said over and over again, but they truly are. Uh, they, they will lead um, our world. They will lead our society. Uh, and so it's really important to um, be a, a teacher uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a way. And so, um, you know, another thing that really kind of drove me to the work too and working with young people is that, you know, if you're able to affect a young person in a very impactful way, um, they can go on and impact, you know, five other people. And then uh, two or three people from that cohort can, can influence and expand people all for the principles that you taught that one person. Uh, it's called the butterfly effect. Say, it's the butterfly exactly, effect. Andy Andrews exactly. talks about it all the time. It's beautiful. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's really it. It's, it's about uh, you know paying it forward uh, and and really moving that positive energy uh, uh, you know from a young person and on and on. 
and on. Uh, and so I definitely encourage folks to engage our young people, uh, especially within their organizations and working with community partners. I think volunteerism is a great tool to do that mm -hmm. uh, because you're not only able to give back to the community, but you're also able to engage your workforce as well. Uh, and especially when it's on a focus of STEAM, uh, so working with a STEAM partner, uh, it, it's, it really galvanizes and gets people together uh, to want to give back in a, in a very special way. Uh, so I definitely encourage that for organizations. I do too. And I, it's, it's something that when I hear people work with kids, um, you know, it's a, it's, how do I say this? That I think that it takes special people, people there, every one of us has something that's, you know, our gifts, our talents, our purpose, our calling, however people want to define mm -hmm. that. And it's not even getting into a spiritual and all that other stuff. It's really just something that each of us, our DNA, the way it's been, the construct of it is we have something very uh, you know, specific and purposeful to give back. And I think, and I knew mine has been, you know, I can love another person's child as my own. I can take them in and, you know, ask them about their day. I, I remember my son, my son is 30 and my son had a group of friends who were a little bit on the rough side. If I was being really honest, came from not such great homes and were at the house one day. And I walked in very defiantly to his room and I said, Hey, you can only be friends with my kid if you get good grades in school. I want to see some report cards. And I remember his two friends like looked at me like, and looked at my son like, is she for real? You know, and my, my son knows me well enough. He, Justin's like, my mom's always for real. Okay. So the next day, this, I kid you not, the next day, they came to the house with their teachers to print the, the report card. And I'm like, let me see that, you know? And I was like, oh, how to be and you know <laughs> and I it was so funny because what ended up happening is that every time they got the report cards like the real report cards it would come to our house mm -hmm. first you know look here you know I, I was like Miss Cheryl I have this and I was and I would look at that and the first time they did it Vernon, I was like why are they bringing the report cards <laughs> and then I remembered that I was just trying to be like a good mom and it was important because nobody at home was interested mm -hmm. in what those card said mm -hmm. I will let me see that you know and I'd look at that and go I think that that deserves pizza but you guys think that deserves like yeah you know so it just yeah. became a place in the community where the kids knew that at Miss Cheryl's house if you're going to be friends with their kids you better you guys share report mm -hmm. cards like I that was like my my in like to our club I was like let me see <laughs> you know so that's it's awesome you know but I think it just takes but that's my talent right and so I don't mm -hmm. hold it against somebody mm -hmm. else in the neighborhood that that's not theirs you know, does that make sense? Like that, that, that was, that's my thing. Don't take my thing. I, I, I'm going to own my thing. You, right. you do yours and I'm going to do mine. And so I think that, um, but let me keep doing what I do well. And that was, you know, one of the things that a lot of the mm -hmm. parents came up in the neighborhood. They're like, man, your house is like, I remember one lady said to me, at, we were, I lived in San Francisco <laughs> at the time and I was in the middle of a Safeway and all these kids came up and I was got down, I was hugging them. And the one lady looked at me, she goes, you're like Jesus. They're just flocking to you. <laughs> I said, I am not like him, but I said, I do enjoy children quite a lot. So I, I'm grateful that you, mm -hmm. um, you said that it made me feel good, you know? And so I've, I've continued to be that person today. One of the things I also wanted to point out that you join 
uh, the Females in Finance public LinkedIn page, and you're an advocate for women working in financial services and healthcare. And I hope that you know we want you to share resources there, what you're doing, so we can follow you along the journey. So if you're looking for these opportunities for volunteerism, you know, feel free to use that space because the women would love to hear about them. They just, a lot of times they don't know, and so they want to know. So I just want you to know that. Thank you. So I like to end interviews with fun questions, but anything <laughs> I put you through, I do myself. I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm not going <laughs> to take it off. You actually, so I have this randomizer thing that picks out questions for me and uh -huh. uh, we're going to do some random uh, rapid fire. Are you ready? You think you can handle this? I'm ready. Let's do it. So here's question number one. What is your lifelong dream? My lifelong dream is to be a professor uh, in my second career and to just inspire college students and uh, just grow and, you know, um, yeah, just kind of be like this, this cool, funky professor, kind of like a few professors I had in, in school and, you know, just retire out that way. So I love it. And mine is if I didn't get paid and I could pick anything that I wanted to do, um, I would want to work with young women on career traje you know, trajectory, and and uh, I think it's the Girl Scout thing really kind of settled well with me. I liked having that idea of meeting with people, but I would much rather like to go into schools and and get access to to other young women that I just don't normally have to to help encourage them and say, "Look, I'm old and cool. You want to be like me, right? Right? You know." <laughs> That's, that's like my lifelong dream. Um, here's question number two. What compliment do people give you the most? Um, I think people feel very comfortable, comfortable around me. I was going to say, um, I read your LinkedIn I think endorsements. <laughs> uh, I know what they say about you. And that's one of them. They're like, you're very comfortable and, and so I, Yeah, and I think that that's... That's a gift that I welcome and, and really am happy that um, I have that attribute. Uh, so when folks are around me, it's it's never like, oh, my God, I, I got to sit next to this guy or anything yeah. like that. Um, I, I always and I think that that's great because uh, it really just says a lot about, you know, the, the person that I'm emitting off to other people. Um, and so I'm happy that, you know, my, just my presence, my personality is inclusive and engaging uh, in addition to, to the work that I do. So. I love that. Mine always, I get like, like my speaker cards always come back like, where does she get that energy? How do I get the energy? You know, people <laughs> think I'm like, this is, I only drink one cup of coffee a day. This is it. I get all of this. I'm, but bubbly, <laughs> uh, sparkly. My dad used to call me little Miss Ray of Sunshine. You know, I do have Groundhog Day effect. My kids say this all the time. I totally go to sleep and I wake up. And if I was mad about anything, that was yesterday. I have long since forgotten. Uh -huh. On a new day. And people are like, aren't you mad? And I'm like, about what? <laughs> I have let it go. I channel my inner Elsa and let it go. It's gone. I'm already mm -hmm. on to new things. So question number three is what advice did you get that was the most rewarding? Yeah, um, you know, one thing, you know, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, is the whole pay it forward idea. Uh, and so, 
I always try to make sure that I'm helping to, to be, develop someone, um, you know, to shine them in onto opportunities that help me out along the way. Uh, and I think that that's super important. Uh, so uh, I, I've had a few students who have reached out to me on LinkedIn. And I think that sometimes when they reach out to people at, at companies and things like that, they don't expect a response. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you a quick story real quick. When I was uh, 13 years old, I had uh, written um, or called in to NBC Towers here in Chicago. And I wanted to go on set because I was doing this project in social studies on news. Uh, and I wanted to go on set to do this project and to get interviews and things like that. And so I called the admin of, um, of Larry uh, Works with over in NBC at home. And she said, there's no way, I'm sorry, but there's no way that you're going to be able to come in and meet with him. And this was before LinkedIn, so didn't have that luxury. Um, but uh, I, I called his uh, direct office again and left him a message. And he called me back the next day, issued me an apology, and welcomed me and my granddad for a full day uh, to talk to all the news broadcasters uh, to go and get a full tour of the day. Um, I saw all of their sets, their studios, got a chance to meet with everyone. I stood in for a live broadcast as well. And it was one of the best moments I ever had. And it was a lesson that I learned too that, you know, no matter how much you grow uh, in these roles and important during your career, never lose sight of, uh, of coming down uh, and helping people along the way. And so anytime someone reaches out to me, a student, I invite them on site to get a tour of our building, um, to have lunch, and really, uh, you know, to explain and talk about the careers that we have here at the company. Because I want to make sure that people feel included and that people aren't just brushing them off uh, or anything like that. Because you just never know how impactful an ex- experience like that will be uh, for a person. So. I literally got chills you telling me that story because it's, it's right. It's, it's one of the reasons. So one of the things I get people say to me a lot of times when they reach out, I offer every single person who contacts me time on my calendar. Like, let's get a conversation. Let's Mm -hmm. talk. And they're like, Oh, you know, they they almost are caught off guard. Like I just wanted to connect with you. And it's like, no, I want to actually get to know you. And so mine is a quote and I act, I I do this every day. It's that no act of kindness, no matter how small is ever wasted. You know, I feel like every single day I'm looking to drip kindness into everything I do. Um, I mail handwritten cards. People always are shocked when they get a card from me in the mail because they're like, you do social media. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but I, I think I always tell, and I, I have, I have labels that I put on my cards. I, this is truth. Underneath it, it says, aren't you glad this isn't Bill? I put a question. So they laugh by that, but I think that that's real. you said it's really important. It ties into that. And I think it's also very much about, you know, who you are as a person. It's very giving. And I think that person, mm-hmm. you know, you, you connected with the person who realized that I need to, to invest time into this person. And I also want to say something really quick too, that we didn't talk about earlier, but I wanted to make this point. I think that there's a lot of times that when people work with youth, they use the word sacrifice. And I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you one of my number one rules 
personally is I'll hear parents say, oh, well, I sacrificed, I sacrificed my body to have a baby or I sacrificed my education to have a child. I sacrificed, no, you invested. Don't you ever mm-hmm. say to a child that they were sacrificed. There was something that sacrificed. Exactly. That is, I say every time I invested in my kids. So maybe I didn't finish you know, college. I invested in what they're doing. I invested time at baseball games sitting there with Capri Suns for every kid on the team. I invested. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happens is that I can tell you by just simply changing that language, what I get the luxury of now that my children, my five children are 21 to, to 30. When we sit down at dinners, they remember that I invested time and they say it just like that. Mm-hmm. My mom invested a lot in me and she'd say, they'll say it just like that. Oh, well, my mom invested in me. You know, and it wasn't mm-hmm. ever one time have they said to me that I sacrificed. They never used that word. And I think with people in financial services, we're very comfortable very with our investment. <laughs> so let's make it used, you know, and, and helpful with our youth today. So how do our listeners get in touch with you? What is the best way to contact you and find resources that are available to our conversation yeah. today? So definitely please feel free to, to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Vernon Johnson. Uh, and it's, I'm the one with NPH behind my name. Uh, and, and we'll list it down on your, we'll put it on your page too so people can connect. Oh, awesome. And uh, also feel free to follow me on Twitter at Phil D. Burn. So Phil and then D with the extra E, T-H-E-E, Burn, D as in Victor, E-R-N. Uh, feel free to follow me there too for some great insights and my, my thoughts. Wonderful. You know, again, it's been such a pleasure interviewing you and getting to know you. I... I have wicked respect for the work that you do. I mean, I'm just so excited to see, you know, how you help people, you know, along the way with what you do. And I'm grateful that you shared not only just your time today, but your talent with us. So I please know that I'm, I'm really, really uh, appreciative of that. Thank and, you, Cheryl. It's been no, a pleasure. Pleasure's, <laughs> honestly, pleasure's mine. So thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. And if you can learn more about the, uh, today's guests and the topics we covered in the show notes will be included. If you love today's podcast and come on, you know that you do, uh, please be sure to subscribe and don't keep it a secret. Share it, tag it uh, with hashtag females and finance in your post so that we can engage with you as well. Remember The F Word. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you for your time today.